It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. This is podcast number 226 for January 23rd, 2011, recorded January 21st. Dateline, New York City, 2001. At an InfoTrends breakfast briefing in New York City, I was told that digital cameras would be available for about $100 within 10 years. That was Wednesday, June 27, 2001, in the Grand Ballroom of the Manhattan Center on 34th Street. I recall thinking that this might be possible if the manufacturers used low-end CMOS sensors and limited resolution to about one megapixel or so. Well, I was half right. Digital cameras are available for about $100, and some considerably less. CMOS sensors turned out to be far more quality than expected, and even many high-end cameras now use them. But those $100 digital cameras offer resolutions in the 8 to 12 megapixel range instead of just 1 megapixel. In the final quarter of 2010, I purchased two consumer-grade cameras. One was an upgrade for the camera I carry in my briefcase. The other was an upgrade for the camera my wife uses. And I was really surprised by the quality of cameras available in the lower end of the consumer camera range. For Phyllis, I bought a Nikon L22 Red. It matches her iPod Nano, which is also red. I was looking for something small and light, but with excellent image quality. To carry around in my briefcase, I selected a Canon SX-130, even though the SLR I use for what you might term serious work is a Nikon, and I've used Nikons almost exclusively since the early 1970s. I would have liked the ability to shoot in camera RAW mode, but the Canon doesn't offer that. In fact, you won't find that in any camera at this price. So let's consider the specifications for these cameras. Both of them offer 12 megapixel images, 4,000 pixels by 3,000 pixels. Both of them have a 1 over 2 thirds inch CCD sensor. The Nikon offers digital image stabilization, the Canon optical. A big difference, the Nikon has a 3.6 times zoom compared to the Canon's 12 times zoom. Both of them have the same ISO range, 80 to 1600. Both of them use SD and SDHC memory, although the Canon does include some additional memory options. Both of them run on AA batteries. I consider that to be very important. Both of them do video. The Nikon at 640x480. The Canon, surprisingly, at 1280x720. The biggest differences probably are in size. The Nikon is 4 inches by 2.5 by 1.5. 15 cubic inches. The Canon, considerably bigger, 4.5 inches by 3 by 2, 27 cubic inches compared to 15. And the weight's different, too. 6.5 ounces for the Nikon versus almost 10 ounces for the Canon. The prices? That Nikon was under $100. The Canon, under 200 It's important, I think, that both cameras offer image stabilization. That is very important these days. Stabilization is an effort to eliminate blur caused by camera motion. As I said, the Nikon does it digitally, the Canon does it optically. Either is fine. In addition to the optical zoom, both cameras also offer a digital zoom, the attempt to expand the zoom range digitally. 
This is never a good idea. I recommend turning off digital zoom in any camera you have. Only the optical zoom range really counts. More expensive cameras have longer ranges, and that's to be expected. Both cameras change sensitivities automatically from 80 to 1600 ISO if you want, although you can set them manually. Although the Canon can use more types of memory cards, that's essentially a meaningless distinction. And I mentioned the AA batteries. This is an important point. Both cameras can use alkaline or rechargeable cells, and this means you can easily find replacement batteries if you run out of power at an inopportune moment. You can find AA batteries just about anywhere. The most important point, though, is that both cameras are capable of creating very high-quality images. You'll see some on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The image from the Nikon is part of a Christmas dinner at Katie's house. I used the food setting to capture the image. The camera was handheld, no tripod, nothing else to steady it. I've always been fairly good at hand-holding cameras, but the lack of motion blur on this late-afternoon, low-light, available-light image surprised me. And you'll see an image from the Canon. Uh, This image is, of course, cats. Chloe and Percy. Also handheld, shot in existing light, no flash, just what was available right there in the room. So what this means to you is that if you're among the small number of people who haven't yet converted from film to digital photography, now's a pretty good time to make the change. Digital photography offers so many advantages, cost, speed, and usability, to name just the first three that come to mind, that it's really difficult to find a reason for hesitation at this point. For less than $200, you can obtain a camera that's more capable than the point-and-shoot camera you've been carrying around. For less than $100, you'll probably find something that's at least equal to that point-and-shoot camera you've been carrying around, and probably better. Film and processing costs don't exist in the digital world. Your choices are astonishingly broad. In that $100 to $150 range, B&H Photo in New York City lists nearly $100 choices. The Internet Archive does more than just archive the Internet. You'll find old versions of websites in the Internet Wayback Machine, movies, audio files, old radio programs and commercials, audio books, and more. Everything on the site is either in the public domain or has otherwise been cleared for legal downloading. So let's take a look around. The Wayback Machine used to have some old technology corner pages that dated back to 1996. Those seem to be gone now. There's an immense selection of old-time radio programs and some historical broadcasts. You can listen to most of them online or download them. For example... There are commercials for products that have been around forever and still exist. Owners everywhere are talking about the economy of the 50 Ford. Here's the story of the 1940 cars in a nutshell. Respect Buick. See your nearest Buick dealer for complete details. And for some that aren't still around. Soon you'll be able to walk into your Admiral dealer's store and confidently buy the style radio or radio phonograph you want. The selection of Admiral Radios will be complete. Lucky beer, premium beer, lucky premium beer. Whether you like commercials or not, hearing some of these oldies is a lot of fun. In every Chevrolet showroom across America, 
More and more people are looking at the car that's just out and just wonderful. The 1957 Chevrolet. Waiter. Waiter! Bill, did you have a seasick poor service? I'm going to call the manager. Take it easy, Walt. What's mostly wrong is your grouch. I'm sorry, Phil, but my digestion is so upset. What you may need for your poor digestion is something that works after nature's own order. Try Carter's Little Liver Pill. Oh, Officers are listed in your telephone book. Now, plain mineral oil can't do this. But a remarkable preparation called Haley's M.O. combines the correct proportions of pure mineral oil with the finest milk of magnesia. My dog's prettier, smarter, taller. My dog's better than yours. Kennel ration. Wherever people are active this summer, you'll find a growing custom. People are drinking iced Maxwell House coffee. And you'll enjoy it, too, whenever you need refreshment. A cooling drink of Ice Maxwell House coffee with its friendly stimulation that buoys you up and never lets you down. So enjoy a refreshing Life Boy bath every day. You like Life Boy's creamy rich lather, its wonderful mildness. Get Life Boy tomorrow. And that's just the beginning. You'll find historical recordings, such as speeches by Hitler and by Britain's wartime Prime Minister Churchill. I would say to the House, as I said to those who joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask what is our policy? I will say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us. To wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark and lamentable catalogue of human crime. I also found recordings of radio talks by Lord Haha. Lord Haha was the nickname of the announcer on a wartime program from Hamburg. The broadcast could be heard on medium wave stations in England and was also broadcast on short wave so that it could be heard in the United States. Broadcasts started in 1939 and continued until the end of April 1945. The primary announcer, William Joyce, was taken into custody at the end of the war, convicted of treason, and hanged in 1946. Germany calling, Germany calling, Germany calling. One would describe as the height of cynicism the message sent by the First Lord of the Admiralty to the captain of the British destroyer Cossack congratulating him on his gallant rescue effort. And here's an important BBC bulletin from 1945. This is London calling. Here is a news flash. The German radio has just announced that Hitler is dead. I'll repeat that. The German radio has just announced that Hitler 
is dead. Going even further back into history, you can find recordings of Vladimir Lenin from 1919. You may have heard the Abbott and Costello Who's on First routine, but have you ever heard the first broadcast of that bit? The Internet Archive has it. Well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's no, name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. And an astonishing variety of other old radio programs, too. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is window. W-I-N-D-O-W. Really? You bet your life! Super Delicious Cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. That's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, brought to you by that super delicious cereal, Kellogg's Pet. Personal notice, dangers my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job from me, George Valentine. Write full details. That open from 1951 is so overproduced. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program, coming to you from Hollywood, California, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And not to sound like one of those late-night, over-the-top knife commercials, there's lots more. What would you pay for some vintage live radio performances by Elvis Presley? Well, it's one for the mile. Not everything on the Internet Archive is old, though. You'll find some new selections. You're listening to Hernan G. on the Sonica Net Label. This is called Disappear. Sonica is a net label from Argentina. The artists are members of the Sonica Electronic Music School.
So whether you're looking for old radio programs, videos, historical audio, new music, or just about anything else, you probably won't be disappointed by the Internet Archive. You'll find a link to the Internet Archive from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Our lives are not private. A great deal of public information has always been available from various government offices. But until recently, if I wanted to find out the value of your home or your age or just about anything but your phone number, I'd need to visit a courthouse and request the information. Now it's as easy as using the computer. And sometimes the information you get is even right. Spokio says it is not your grandma's phone book, and it's not because much of my personal information has been available online for many years, and because I use the Internet a lot, it seemed that investigating myself might not be particularly useful. So I selected an acquaintance who doesn't even own a computer. I gave Spokio her name and the city where she lives. Here's what I got back. Complete name, including middle initial. The exact street address, city, state, and postal code. A Google map showing the location of her house. Her approximate age, sex, marital status, and approximate value of her home. A photo of her home, size of the lot in square feet, size of the home in square feet, number of bedrooms, and the number of bathrooms. And additional social, neighborhood, and wealth information would be available if I would be willing to pay Spokio an additional $36 a year. If you don't know a person's name and city, but you do have an email address, a phone number, or a username, Spokio can help. Username? I quote the Spokio website. Spokio's username search finds online profiles with similar usernames. Spokio's username algorithm searches across social networks, blogs, photo albums, dating sites, music networks, video sites, e-commerce stores, and other public web services to help locate the owner's profiles, names, photos, and other public information associated with the username. Continuing to quote the Spokio website, Spokio's username search is free to use without registration. The top search names on Spokio this week are Stephen Johnson, James Jones, Karen Martinez, Susan White, James Lopez, and Mark Jones. Well, then I gave Spokio my cell phone number, and all it could tell me was that the owner of the number probably lived in Worthington. Well, that's right. I gave Spokio my Google Voice phone number. All it could tell me was that the owner of the number probably lives in Worthington. I gave Spokio my home phone number. It showed me an aerial view of my house. It said that I'm married. And it offered, for $36 a year, to tell me my exact address, my full name, and my wife's full name. It also provided some demographic information, income, age, home value, and sex for the neighborhood. I gave Spokio my office email address. It scanned lots of social networks and came up completely empty. Then I gave Spokio my primary home email address, and Spokio reported my exact age and listed several articles that I've written. What about the TechBiter address, you might wonder? I expected Spokio to find a lot of information based on that address, but it found virtually... Nothing. How about usernames? Well, I gave Spokio TechBiter. I use that some places. It found an account that isn't mine on Multiply. It located my Twitter account. 
It offered to search for dating sites, again for 36 bucks a year, but I already know I'm not on any of those. It offered to search Vimeo, if I would upgrade, and it reported that I have a video on YouTube. It also found the TechBiter Worldwide website. By now you might be worried, or you might think this kind of open access is just perfectly normal. Either way, it probably doesn't matter much what you think, or what I think. This kind of open access exists. While the ability to obtain this kind of information isn't new, the ease of collecting it is very new. In short circuits, I was standing in line at a grocery store the other day when I noticed a sign that said the store would stop accepting checks and traveler's checks on some date early in 2011. They'll take credit cards and debit cards, and they'll still accept cash, although they may require several forms of identification with cash. No checks, though. The check's slow descent into oblivion seems to be speeding up. Most of us still need checking accounts, of course, although I learned this week that about 10% of U.S. citizens don't have a checking account. Wow. So we need checking accounts, but not checks. I write maybe 10 checks a year. Nearly everything I buy goes on a credit card, and when the statement arrives at the end of the month, I just transfer funds online to pay it. Even the Internal Revenue Service is doing away with checks. If you owe money, you can pay electronically. If you have a refund coming, the IRS can deposit it directly to your bank account. But what about those people I mentioned who don't have a bank account? Well, this year, the IRS will provide some refunds by adding the refund to the taxpayer's debit card. Using tax refund debit cards will eliminate the cost of printing and mailing all those paper checks, and it'll make it possible for those who have no bank account to get their money sooner. i got to think some enterprising criminals are going to be interested in that, too. The IRS plans to send letters notifying about 600,000 eligible taxpayers about this year's pilot program. The tax refund debit cards option will also be offered to nearly 2 million U.S. workers who are already paid via a payroll debit card. (sighs) Printing checks. Once a solid, profitable business. But that's changing fast. across several things this week that are worthy of mention but aren't long enough even for short circuits, so here they are all clumped together. You can download a trial copy of Adobe Creative Suite 5 Design Premium and you might win it or a $10,000 home office makeover. Adobe makes the offer. You'll find a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. I have known Rick Altman for a long time and for nearly a decade he's been doing an annual PowerPoint summit. This year he's running a spring tour in eight cities, and if you'd like to improve your presentation techniques, it would be a day and about $300 very well spent. For details, check betterpowerpoint.com. There's a link there from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And now available, the White House tapes. No, not the Nixon. Well, the Nixon one will be there, but that's not the primary one you might be interested in. Between 1940 and 1973, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, and Richard Nixon all secretly recorded a total of nearly 5,000 hours of meetings and telephone conversations. The White House tapes site makes the recordings and transcriptions available, and that might be another interesting educational waste of time. Google takes an old page from the playbook as Larry Page plans to take over as Google's CEO from Eric Schmidt. Page and Sergey Brin are Google's co-founders. Schmidt will stay on in another capacity. And by the way, 
The Google PageRank that you've probably heard people talk about wasn't named for web pages, but for Larry Page. He's the guy who wrote the album that calculates it, hence the PageRank. Also, Apple co-founder Steve Jobs is on medical leave again, having written to all employees, and I quote, At my request, the board of directors has granted me a medical leave of absence so I can focus on my health. I will continue as CEO and be involved in major strategic decisions for the company. Jobs says he hopes to return, but that in the meantime, he asks that his privacy and his family's privacy be respected. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.